So the talk of the town has been Barbenheimer and uh, Grace and I kind of did a split on this one. She went on a trip with her mom this weekend and saw Barbie. And so I took that time to go see Oppenheimer. And now we're both going to do the Barbenheimer uh, experience ourselves. So we're each going to watch a movie that we haven't seen yet and one we have. So what do you think about that? I think this is a new take on the Barbenheimer uh, fiasco here. Uh, it all depends on what else you're watching. You know what I mean? I love the <laughs> no. idea. I love it. it. Well, just you know, it's just Barbie and Oppenheimer. Oh, so, and so I, you're now going to go to Barbie alone, and she's going to go to Oppenheimer. No, no, no. We're going to go together. That's the thing. Oh, so okay. we're going to go see Barbie, and I'll be seeing it for the first time. She'll be seeing it for a second time, second time. and then we're going straight from there to Oppenheimer. And very cool. Well, I am. Time. I'm very excited to see both. I haven't yes. seen either. I've heard really interesting and great things about it. I think it's cool that you'll each have like a double experience. One of you will go into it like getting to watch the other one experiencing it. Exactly. That's cool. exactly. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm excited. You know, and a lot of people have been, um, how do you say it now? Exceeding or re-exceeding uh, instead of tweeting uh, because we, oh, we've got God. the new. I don't the, even know the, the new Twitter now. Everyone, it's it's is just it really. I mean, is it? I keep waiting for this to be like it's not a real. Uh, it is updated on my end. The X logo is now real. Has replaced the bird officially for me. Uh, apparently, a lot of sites are saying that all of this will be implemented by the end of day. <laughs> so, uh, I I honestly don't know what they're calling it, but everyone's joking around saying that it's just um, X eating ex instead of tweeting now because that's I have really got good. mine's still a bird. Okay, well, hang on to that. Hang, hang on to that as long. I want to be the last one. I want to be the last one with a bird. Yeah, yeah, you, you for sure do. But um, you, you know, it's a it's a new era. It's a new era. This is no yeah. this is no uh, Facebook brought to you by Meta. This is just straight. There's no Twitter anymore. I don't know what I mean. Do we really have to say like follow me on X at Mark Hespin? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like gonna it work. We're gonna have to change the. But I'm not uh, going. I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna go full on in threads. So I don't know what to do. I just I'm stuck. Dude, we are in a no man's land right now. It's very unfortunate, but uh, yeah, yeah. Bring it all around. I will be uh, putting out there on X, uh, Twitter, the Barbenheimer experience, and uh, we'll let you know how it is. But Oppenheimer was great. So I bet it got was. a lot to live up to here. I bet it was for sure. Um, but I'm really excited to get into this conversation, Mark, as we enter August, the final month of no football at that point. So obviously this time of year, we got, you know, a few uh, down periods in, ter in terms of like, you know, mega breaking news. But, you know, we were treated to some good news yeah. uh, over the weekend uh, featuring the Washington Commanders. Got a couple uh, other items of note regarding some running backs, a rookie wide receiver getting into some hot water already, and uh, some maybe not key signings, but notable ones, I would say, uh, for some of these teams throughout the league. And, of course, we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of this episode featuring our best bets from the AFC and NFC over and under win totals. So looking forward to getting into that right here on the Football Lounge. <music>
listening to the Four Frequency Sake Network. All right, well, let's get into it, Mark. The Washington Commanders now have a new owner in Josh Harris after the NFL approved the sale uh, from Dan Snyder to Harris. And then minutes later, uh, totally not coincidentally, they uh, dropped a news bomb that Dan Snyder was being fined $60 million after the NFL completed its independent investigation into Washington. This was for sexual harassment allegations, as well as um, illegal conduct. Uh, Basically, it's called deliberately unreporting revenue to the league. So Dan Snyder getting a hefty fine, but he walks away with $6.05 billion. So the $60 million fine, somewhat of a drop in the bucket after all. But Mary Jo uh, White, I believe is her name, who has done other Uh, investigations independent ones for the league uh, basically sustained the allegations made against Snyder finding him uh, you know guilty of this misconduct in the workplace and then his CFO uh, Jason Friedman uh, as being responsible for not reporting uh, this revenue to the league so lots happening there in Washington but it's a new day and really happy for all those commanders fans out there that maybe uh, finally get a new fresh start that they've been wanting for a couple decades now. Yeah. Josh Harris, he has to play the gambit of being um, an owner in the NFL and a governor in the NBA. I mean, so he's got to make sure <laughs> yeah. give him the correct title, depending on what league uh, where he's actually referring to. Uh, I go. will just, I'll just say this overall. One of the things that, um, that really, gets me with this whole sale is that there is a difference between a Bears fan and a Commanders fan with the the struggle of ownership, right? Like, I get frustrated with the McCaskies a lot because I feel like they're bumbling. They're like the Bluth family a little bit where (laughs) it's like, go buy a banana. How much is it? Like $10? That's a great... And they they just are out of touch and they don't have the acumen that Papa Bear had and the understanding, and they've just never evolved the football knowledge. They always say, like, we're not football people. Like, how the hell are you not football people? Your father started the league, and you have only ever grown up in a business of running a football team. Like, how? Like, it's a bumbling That is perplexing. But they aren't, like, sexually harassing people and stealing money and hiding. You know what I mean? They're not the blues in other ways, like Dan Snyder is all around bad guy, like not a good guy, scumbag. And it's good to get him out of the league. It's good to get rid of owner, an owner like that. And for Washington, you get the feeling that he has had this reputation throughout the league, yeah. almost since he bought the, the commanders yeah. in the nineties. Like they've been, they've been constantly in the news for the wrong reasons. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And for Washington now, they they feel like, all right, there's an opportunity for them to really put more pressure on this. Like, hey, we can be a team that can win again. We can be a team that can get, you know, updated facilities. We can be a team that's going to probably change their name and their look again. If I mm-hmm. was the new ownership group, I would go ahead and change. 
Excuse me. Bless you. Oh. Yeah, Magic Johnson's a minority owner now, and oh. he's already said that it's yeah. likely that they are very open to changing the name. I, I think it's probably already a foregone conclusion that that's yes. going to happen. I think they should, and I think that they should go back to like that original color scheme as well, um, yeah. and get get out of the the color scheme and everything. And I think it makes sense. And so I'm very excited for Washington fans, um, but. Don't try to compare the Washington situation to other ownership situations um, unless it's, you know, I mean, Dan Snyder legitimately like is in the Donald Sterling camp of just like bad guy, like get rid of bad guys in, in the league, in the ownership group. Yeah. If your owner's just incompetent, you know, like a Jerry Ryan store for their cheap, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like bulls and white Sox fans have to deal with, or like bears fans have to deal with where it's just like family incompetence. That's one thing. I'm sure the league wishes they weren't, but they it's not like actual bad guy. Right. Yep. 100% on board with you there. It's a clean slate. Uh, a lot of work to be done for Josh Harris, but obviously he's up for the challenge and you know, they they've they've got a, you know, some young quarterbacks there, uh, a young team overall it seems. So it, there's a lot pointing in the direction of uh, th this team just overall improving as a brand, as a name, as an organization. Uh, some other news throughout the league, not the news you kind of want to be in uh, when we've got rookies uh, causing a lot of buzz from camps yeah. and days and things like that. This is not the type of publicity you want for a rookie. Jordan Addison, the Vikings rookie receiver, uh, cited for going 144 in a 55. And Obviously, this is different. You know, a lot of people are drawing comparisons to the Henry Ruggs situation in which he was intoxicated going by 150 and uh, unfortunately took the life of a, a woman and her dog in that uh, collision. None of that happened in this case. He was just cited for going that fast. But obviously, with, with the Ruggs situation being so close in proximity yeah. just a few years ago, and the same position, everything, like some eerie similarities, uh, you would think that one would take caution in these types of situations and people are pulling out old interviews. Well, old, but I mean like earlier this year of Addison talking about the first thing he's going to buy is a, a car and one that specifically can go really, really fast. So I guess the writing was on the wall, so to speak. But hopefully this is a wake-up call early on because I just can't fathom any reason to go 144 and 55. Now, yeah. Sports Illustrated is reporting, and I saw this on X slash Twitter, yes. that the reason he was citing was because his dog was having an emergency at his residence, and that was the reason for the speed. And Addison had been cited with reckless driving, consciously disregarding substantial or unjustifiable risk. The 21-year-old receiver did say, yesterday morning I made a mistake and used poor judgment. I recognize that. I'm going to learn for this behavior. I'm truly sorry. Uh, but his dog, apparently that was the excuse given, that my dog <laughs> well, is having an emergency. And I will say, the fact that there is nothing as far as being intoxicated while doing this, I think makes this a very, very different story than Henry Ruggs. Oh, absolutely. This, absolutely. I, I, yeah. While while really stupid and really dangerous, this is I do think very there's a, 
if he was drunk while doing it, I mean, it's like you might have to cut him. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, there are ethical concerns. Twenty-one years old and an idiot, and it's late at night, and he's thinking in his new car. Let see what I could push this thing to. Um, that's something where I guess you can find the all right. One big strike, no more. You know, no more. You know, strikes. Uh, but yeah, it's not a great, not a great look. And and again, you know, the NFL I think does a really good job. You hear about all the people they bring in to talk to these rookies during the draft process. Veterans come in, guys who've had ups and downs as a career, and be like, how quickly can all be taken away? Make good decisions. In the end, as we all know, um, not everyone hears it, not everyone remembers it, not everyone implements it. And I I really do think this is a, a this is one of those things where it's like you got to be on your best behavior for the next, you know, calendar year, at least here with this one. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The dog thing, obviously we have no way of knowing. Uh, I I would think though, that he would have included that as a caveat in his apology. I agree. So that the public masses would uh, not necessarily understand because that's still, that's still just an absurd um, speed to go. Uh, But yeah, I would have thought, you know, he would have done maybe included that. So that yeah. that's interesting. Um, some injury news. Naeem Hines, the Buffalo Bills running back, tore his ACL in yeah. a very strange way. He was struck by a jet ski rider while he was on his jet ski uh, stationary and tore his ACL in the process. He's going to require surgery. Yeah. We'll be wow. out for the entire 2023 season. That hurts. And Usually this time of year is right when we start to get kind of worried about injuries because training camp is now officially started for all 32 teams as of this week, uh, but not for jet skis. Yeah, the Lions are breathing a sigh of relief, apparently, with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I saw that uh, Yeah, that was a no structural damage, even though he went down with a non-contact. Uh, Naeem Hines is such a third-down weapon for the Buffalo offense, and a Buffalo offense, what do we always say? They just need to be able to find a way to get convert on third and fives. He's a part of that. And so not having that is going to be a blow, uh, certainly a blow for them. And luck, the only thing you could say it's lucky is that it's July 24th. So there are, there are names in the, uh, out there. There are backs available. There are going to be training camp cuts. There are going to be uh, got undrafted guys. You have a chance to step yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, in. if you're missing out on the receiving threat, yeah. Kareem Hunt's got to be the top guy right now, I would think. Yeah, so there's there's names out there that Buffalo uh, has a chance, and there's and they have time to get them in the system and work yeah. it. So uh, if it's going to happen, you want it to happen to your team now as opposed to a month from now, but you just keep knocking on wood. It doesn't happen at all. Yeah, they got Damian Harris and uh, James Cook now, This uh, Dalvin Cook's younger brother in his second year, so he's probably going to have to step up Absolutely. Uh, and get an even more increased role here, especially if they're not able to sign someone. Uh, Josh Jacobs, one of those that was not able to get his contract extended and thus uh, has the franchise tag looming over him. He was seen boarding a flight out of Vegas per Tom Palacero and will not be reporting to camp tomorrow on Tuesday. And he has told people that, quote, he doesn't plan to either. So. That is where we're standing right now with Josh Jacobs. I haven't heard any word on Saquon Barkley yet. Uh, or well, Saquon had that podcast interview where he basically said, yeah. I can just say 
F them and not yep. show up and show my worth. Uh, again, I stand by the fact that I think Saquon has more leverage in doing that. And the Maras are very um, business savvy and they're image savvy. And so the Maras don't want to look bad. And so I think it would land more for them. And um, for Josh Jacobs, I think it's as simple as there's no need for him to be there. And I think he will eventually sign it. And he'll he will start the season as the running starting running back for them. But why why go through training camp at this point in time? It's one of those things that uh, you don't owe them that at this point. If they're not going to give you the contract, mm -hmm. you don't owe them being there. You'll show up when you absolutely need to show up, and in and time to be ready for the regular season and play. I I I expect Josh Jacobs to be starting week one in the backfield with with the Raiders having some camp and some time under his belt, but absolutely no need to show up right away. I, I, and I give him credit for, for just saying, screw it at this point. And, and, yeah. and with the Raiders, there's no point in playing hardball because they're so poor that it, it's not going to happen. So I'm sure it's not going to get contentious. I think it'll be very much like we expect Josh at some point in time to become a part of this team. And when he's back, we'll welcome him with open arms. And I, I expect to go that way with the Saquon situation. I think there could be more war of words and getting ugly. And it, the Maras, um, they're going to have to defend their decision to sign Daniel Jones, as opposed to the GM and coach's decision to sign Daniel Jones. Yeah. We've talked a lot about the holdout possibilities over the last few weeks. So I'm not going to go like too deep into it other than to say I agree with you that I think all of these guys will be playing for their respective teams only because it doesn't appear that there is a collective of multiple running backs that are all on the same page. I think that the Le'Veon Bell experiment uh, kind of I'm happened. Out. And so now I think the only way for them to get the meaningful change they want is to do what we're kind of seeing across the country and like literally holding like the actors and writers are doing right now, going on a strike of sorts. There doesn't seem to currently be that cohesion amongst you. You would need about five running backs. I would think throughout the league to be able to pull this off. If Josh Jacobs is the only guy that's just going to sit out, I don't see him doing it because yeah. uh, it, it just doesn't seem to, to have the power of the weight. No, but you're um, right. It, if, it would require a lot of them to if say, Derek like Austin Henry, Eckler to say, Christian I'm not McCaffrey, um, you know what I mean? Nick Chubb. Yep. If these guys all decided until my guys get taken care of, we're all sitting. Mm -hmm. I, I think that could do something. But I also think at this point in time, the smart move is hey, Take care of yourself and take care of your body and show up when it's game day. And I think though, I think Saquon and Josh Jacobs, that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to miss yeah. as much training camp as humanly possible. They will show up until the last nth degree where they know I need to get my body right. I need to spend some time with my teammates and then they're off. Yeah. It's important to note that uh, the next CBA isn't for seven years. So there's yeah. not uh, not an immediate negotiation uh, coming around uh, without right, though, the, something the, pushing it. To there. bring up the Le'Veon Bell thing, because the Le'Veon Bell thing is a, I think these guys know sitting out a whole year is not smart. Like it, yeah. it, it ruined, it really did ruin Le'Veon Bell's trajectory of a Hall of Fame career. So take the money that they have, sign that franchise, they don't lose any of that money. 
And if you play all 16 games, you'll get the, you know, the guarantee. So sign it and get, and get into camp with a week, week and a half, two weeks to go get ready and, and try to have as good of a season as possible. Now, there were some signings that were to maybe help buffer the possibility of a holdout uh, that coming with the Giants signing James Robinson. Very happy to see yep. that. Uh, obviously, an Illinois State alum close to my heart, but, you know, happy he's getting another chance here uh, with a team. And I think that's an all around good signing. If Saquon doesn't uh, play, then they have the rookie Eric Gray that they drafted, as well as a you know, proven vet who appears to be 100% healthy in James Robinson to carry that load. And if Saquon does show up, well, now you got a quality backup there for Chief. Yeah. Uh, the Giants also signed Cole Beasley to be a part of that, you know, slot a core there. And then the Ravens signing Melvin Gordon yeah. uh, to a contract here. And while there wasn't really much of a threat of a holdout necessarily, J.K. Dobbins, who has been dealing with injury, was also expressing a lot of uh, unhappiness with his contract situation. So this is potentially another buffer in the NFL. This time, Baltimore kind of protecting their asset and getting a proven veteran. Uh, he's going to have to not fumble. But, uh, yeah. you know, well, that, J- uh, those are the JK big signings just right is now. Not, J.K. is a huge talent, but his body is not reliable so far in his NFL career. So. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been able to show, you know, a full season yet. Um, this was supposed to be the big year, but that was last year as well. And yeah, we saw how that worked out. So Ravens kind of getting in some veteran help to shore up that room. All right, Mark, that does it for the news and notes. So let's get into our NFL best bets with these over and unders. To quickly explain it, Mark and I switched conferences up here so that he will be doing the best over-under bets for the NFC, and I will be doing the best uh, for the AFC. We're choosing three teams that we think are the best bets to go with in terms of win totals for this upcoming season. So that brings us to our presentation here of the best bets. Looking forward to this. This was using FanDuel Sportsbook, so anyone out there... Looking to compare over-unders, we are going off of FanDuel Sportsbook with their over-unders, which are pretty standard across the industry, but of course, sportsbooks have their own uh, differentiation. So for clarity, that is the one that we are using. And Mark, we will get into team number one for you of the NFC. Atlanta Falcons under eight and a half. Um, I was shocked to see the number was eight and a half. Um, Yeah. That is a it's a high number. Obviously, excited to see Bijan Robinson play, but I the thing is, you have to have a lot of faith in Desmond Ritter to feel like this is going to be a nine win team. So to get the over, you got to get nine wins. And while yes, the Atlanta Falcons schedule is is cupcake ish. Let me read you off. This is the start of their schedule home against the Panthers home against the Packers at the lions at the Jags that you could say they could be two and two through four games, right? Then home against the Texans home against the commanders at Tampa Bay. I mean, those are all very winnable games for Atlanta as well. Most but again, yeah. that's believing in Desmond Ritter. They have some tough matchups later in the season, including at the Titans hosting the Vikings. Um, they have at the Jets. They then have to um, go to Chicago late in the year. 
And then they ended, of course, in New Orleans against the Saints. Part of this is I expect their division counterparts, Carolina and New Orleans, to be improved. I think Atlanta, while an improved team, I think Desmond Ritter getting you to nine wins is a gigantic ask. They haven't done enough to the roster overall to say, oh, this is a nine-win team no matter who the quarterback is, because that's basically what you have to say in order to, to make this back, because we do not know what Desmond Ritter is. So this is more a, a, a belief in, I think, a, a pro Carolina improving with the new head coach, with the number one overall pick, with a pro um, New Orleans improving with uh, Derek Carr, getting back with his old head coach, and that overall roster I think is better than Atlanta's roster. And it is saying, I am so unsure of Desmond Ritter. There's just no way I can then say this is going to be an abo above 500 win team because of where the over-under is set. Uh, they do have a cupcake schedule. It's a very easy schedule. It's one of the easiest schedules I was looking at. Uh, but nine wins is a lot of wins for a second-year, third-round pick quarterback. It is. I I would agree with you that the under would be the bet to go with here. And your um, you know, feelings are correct on the schedule. I'm looking at Warren Sharp's uh strength of schedule. He he does uh great work, uh, spends the entire offseason yeah, uh, and and creates a big pamphlet every year. Uh, but one of the things that he does is the strength of schedule metrics. And the Atlanta Falcons have the second easiest schedule in the entire NFL. Um only uh more difficult than the New Orleans Saints schedule. So that that is obviously a feather in their cap for this win total. But other than that, I agree with you. I mean, the uh, devil's advocate take would be, well, look at all of the great weapons they have in Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, young, dynamic playmakers on offense. But to your point, we have no idea who's throwing them this football, who's who's distributing the rock. They had these weapons last year outside of Bijan, obviously, but Tyler Algier uh, ran for a thousand yards and set rookie records for the, the and their Atlanta defense so, leaked points. I mean, yes, just that, that is their biggest problem. Their biggest problem right now, outside of quarterback, and we don't know how big of a problem that is, is the defense. And so, when I think you're probably bottom five defense in the league. Um, to put any team with that. I mean, if the Kansas City Chiefs had the worst defense in the league, they're the only team I would say could still get to like nine wins out of that. Yeah. But any other team, I, I think you're screwed. And my, so for the Falcons, that's very much the case here. My lock of week one might be Carolina plus three. Right now, Atlanta's got three points on Carolina really? home home wow. opener. I mean, it's a, they have yeah. the home field advantage, so that's where the three comes from, really. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, um, and one of them's dealing with a rookie quarterback. Although you could, you could almost say that's the case for the Falcons. As and well, and but. and Frank Reich in that I just I mean, I just that's a lot of it's a lot of the faith Panthers' in, defense is really good. It's a lot of faith in the fact that Atlanta's got a supposedly easy schedule. And trust me, yeah. I do worry about the Buccaneers bottoming out. I think the Buccaneers were another one who almost made my list. They're at six and a half. I think that's very tempting to play the under on that. I think that I think the Bucks very well could be a four, five, six win team. Um, but 
a lot of that has to depend on if their weapons get injured. Buck, the Bucks have a better, still better names than Atlanta. They, I mean, they have and they have a shaky overall situation. Yes. But how can you not say that Atlanta's quarterback situation is anything but shaky as well? Absolutely agree. All right, yeah. who's your second team here? Well, that is going to be my Chicago Bears. Of course, Bears. Of course, of um, course. Seven. It, it, it's because the number is seven and a half. This Bears team should be an eight, nine win team. Um, and if it was eight, eight and a half, then I, I would not include the Bears on this list. But the fact that you're seeing a seven there gives me confidence to go over with this Bears team. I'm not going to sit here and say the Bears going, you know, 13 and four and 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 do all that yet. But again, the Bears schedule is very workable. I mean, I think they have very much, uh, w- very winnable games against Washington, Tampa, um, uh, the the Raiders, the the Panthers. They uh, can split with the Lions, split with the Vikings. That's already up to six wins. Very very winnable game late in the season against the Browns, the Cardinals, the Falcons. Um, if if two of those games go that way, you're already at the over at eight at eight games. So I think, and that's that's you know assuming. They also, you know, split, don't split with the Packers and the Vikings. You know what I mean? Like if they go four and if they go four and four in division, well, you, you there's, there's four other wins on this bear schedule. Again, whenever you talk about overs, you have to remember, you hope health goes your way, all those other things. Uh, but I think there's, I think besides going four and four in division, which I think the bears are very capable of, they always play the lions really well. They always play the Vikings really well. And this is a different Packers team. So I think they can split. If they, I'll give them the split. They're four and four in division. I can find you four other wins on this schedule when the other, some of the other names they play are Bucks, Broncos, Commanders, Raiders, uh, Saints, Panthers, uh, Browns, Cardinals, Falcons. You're not telling me that out of those eight games I just listed, they can't, they couldn't win four of those. Um, I, I think, I think the number being seven and a half gives you that, that, that little bit of daylight for me as a bears fan to convince you take the bears over. I think this is an, at minimum, an eight win team for sure. That's high praise. I mean, I don't know if I could, if I can put a minimum on this team right now, I could probably see the minimum being a little bit lower, but I, in terms of expectations, I expect them to be a nine win team this year. I, I, I think when we come to it, uh, obviously we're going to have our predictions uh, coming up in a few weeks here. I, I, I can't imagine I'm going to have them anything other than like nine and eight uh, on the season. And part of that is, you know, I'm sure the, uh, you know, naysayers will say that's very hard to go from three wins to eight in one season, but it's not in the NFL. You know, it, it's not very hard in the NFL. And on top of that, it's not when you have a pretty dynamic guy at quarterback. And so with, with Justin Fields, if we anticipate a step forward, which I think we all do, uh, second year under Eberflus, thought they had a really good draft. I don't see how they got any worse. I see how they got significantly better in a lot of areas on this team. They're linebackers. Especially in the receiving I mean, we talk court. about the offense. Yeah, DJ Moore, yeah. but you, you – the linebacker core with Edmonds and Edwards, huge. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They're completely uh, short the up the offensive the line with 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 Darnell Wright 
and Davis from the Titans. I mean, this is an improved football team and a division that, again, we're that we're got worse around them. We're basically saying we know the Vikings will take a step back, and and even if that step back is um, thirteen wins. wins to 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 ten yeah. wins, yeah. again, the Bears are in a division where they are more than capable of going four and four in division, maybe even five and three. That opens. I up. think you mean three and three, right? Because they're only six games in division. Sorry, yeah, I, duh. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 but I'm trying to say. No, I you knew that, that. That's what you meant. So, so there's, there's that, there's, they're more the capable of going three and three, four and you know four and two, or 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 you know hell even five and one in division. So, it's a, it's a, and the out of division games. Yeah, there's some big names on there, Chiefs, but there are winnable, winnable games against the NFC South on the bear schedule. Yeah, that's a, a huge favor to them for sure. They have the sixth easiest schedule per Warren Sharp. So a lot of gettable wins there for the Chicago bears. All right. And your finale here, Mark, who we got as your number three team. Yeah. Um, number three bet? The uh, Los Angeles Rams. Now I'll say this about the Rams. Um, one of the things that I think about the Rams is you're getting value with six and a half, right? That is a low number. It's and very low. So, I was very surprised to see that. So again, honest. while the schedule is tough, I argue the Rams should go. They they have they have really really great schedule of when they play the Cardinals. They most likely will play the Cardinals both games without Kyler Murray, and that's assuming if Kyler Murray mm-hmm. comes back at all. Um, so say they get easy two wins against the Cardinals, this Rams team. And Sean McVay historically is very capable of splitting then with the Niners and the and the Seahawks. That gets him two more wins. That's four. So I got to find you three more wins on this schedule. That's doable. Colts, winnable game. Um, Steelers at home, winnable game. Cowboys on the road, winnable game. Packers on the road um, in October, not cold weather, cold, cold weather, winnable game. Um, they have the Browns at home, winnable game. Commanders at home, winnable game. Uh, Giants late in the season, winnable game. So again, Matt Stafford being healthy, but take advantage of the fact that Vegas is unsure of the Rams. This is value, right? This is this is to trust the value. I'm not saying the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying the Rams are going to win their division. But the Rams can get to seven wins if if health stays on their side. Remember, the Rams are made fun of because they haven't had first-round picks, but the Rams had like 12 draft picks this year, a lot of them third and fourth and fifth rounders. This team yeah. is going to have depth. It has youth on their side, and they have one of the top five coaches in the NFL and a quarterback coming back who we expect to be healthy and an early-season schedule that plays – it favors them getting to early wins to the momentum keeps rolling to where they can easily slide across the finish line at seven wins. All you got to do is get to seven to win this bet. Rams at six and a half, I think is incredible value. I love it too. That's probably the number one best value that I could see just from, you know, bird's eye view that I don't see a Sean McVay led Rams team that, you know, invests heavily in, some of these veterans, including Matt Stafford, most of this is going to depend on the health of Matt Stafford. But if he's healthy and plays the whole season, 
uh, this is a nine win team, most likely. Rams uh, won five games last minute. year when yeah. Stafford missed more than half the like half the season. And they're they're better off this year than they were last year. Uh, I don't see a Sean McVay team like this the way it's built to bottom out multiple years in a row. This is a uh, you know fall apart last year with some yeah. health issues and and other things, and then quickly get back to it because they they're in a win now mode and and the roster's not that bad. Uh, yeah. It's not as good as it was a few years ago, but they so have Dan, uh, plenty of potential. I have two other honorable mentions. That I'll just make a case for. I know you don't have a graphic for them, but I yeah. just want to make the case for them. One of them ties with the Atlanta Falcons is the Panthers are at seven and a half. And so that is a, again, look at the schedule, know that Carolina has a very easy schedule and then you're saying, I have a belief in Frank Wright as an adult and bringing in a new system with the ties with a belief with the young quarterback, Bryce Young. Remember, my feelings on Bryce Young have been very similar to kind of like Tua. He's going to come in and work right away. I don't know if he's going to be working five years from now because of his size and his frame and will he stay healthy. But I think he has a chance to win some games early in his career before he gets beat up way too much. So there's there's something there. The eight is a lot of wins for a Panthers team, though, that feels like it's it, that's such a small window of daylight. I feel like eight is that number, but it's there. It's, it's, it's available for the taking if you feel it. And the other one would be Cowboys nine and a half. It's a great number for the Cowboys in the sense that Vegas knows what they're doing. They... They're they're literally enticing Cowboys haters to say they're not, they're going to win nine games, and they're enticing all the Cowboys fans to be like, oh my god, we're going to win double digit games, we're going to get to ten wins. So Vegas knows yeah. what they're doing there, and I bring that up just basically saying if you either hate the Cowboys or love the Cowboys, getting them at nine and a half on either side will just be fun all season to root for. Like true, I might true, take because it's probably not going to be decided until the final couple weeks. I hate the Cowboys. I I I don't want the Cowboys to win, and so getting them at nine and a half and doing the under on it, hoping to God they stall out at nine wins or less, would just be fun to root for. Yes, for sure. That that would that'd be entertaining. All right. Well, like you, Mark, I have two overs and one under, so okay. we will get into into my list here. And uh, you know, you picked your team. I picked mine. There you go. <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers over eight and a half wins. It, um, you know, I know that this is probably it's just going to sound Homer-ish uh, to pick them, to pick this over. It it never ceases to amaze me year after year how a big, prominent brand like the Steelers seem to constantly get overlooked or undervalued. I'm not saying this is a 13-12 win team even, but eight and a half, we're talking about if they get eight wins, if they go under this, which is the line that Vegas has them at, then it's Mike Tomlin's first ever losing season. Yeah. Do we think that's likely to happen? They were a nine-win team last absolutely year. Absolutely not. They were a nine-win team last year when you had a rookie quarterback. You had to switch up quarterbacks. You had Mitch Trubisky starting you know, uh, six games for you that year. You had issues along your offensive line. Um, TJ Watt goes down. So many things worked against you. You won nine games. And they did that with the hardest schedule in the league, or I think it was like top five yeah. hardest schedules in the league. This year, they have eight, the eighth easiest schedule in the league. And on top of all of that, second year Kenny Pickett looking a lot better. 
revamped the offensive line entirely, uh, had one of the best drafts I've seen in recent memory. All of that somehow leads us to eight and a half wins. It blows my mind. This team is is going to be a 10-11 win team. I'm very confident in that. And so to me, this is one of the easier bets that you can make. Honestly, that's pretty much all I have to say about it because it seems so obvious on its face. I think um I think that you're you're right there. I would feel confident Pittsburgh getting to nine. When you look at their schedule, very workable. It, besides the fact that in division, I feel like they could go two and zero against Cleveland. It's a tough. Let's, it's a let's tough just division. say they go. Let's just say they go three and three in division, right? Maybe that includes two and zero against Cleveland, or maybe that's splitting with everyone. You then got to find you um, six more wins. Well, I think there's coin flip games. Raiders game, Texans game, Rams game, uh, Titans game. You think the Texans game is a coin flip? Packers game. Well, coin flip or they're the favorite. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. uh, yeah. Cardinals game, uh, Patriots game, Colts game. I just gave you eight games where I think uh, they're either the favorite or it's a coin flip. And those latter three are all in a row, too. Which could yeah, really it's out there. It's available. Things. It's available for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So one of the things you look at if you're betting over and unders is like, is it even available? Is there daylight? Is the window open? The window's very open for Pittsburgh to get to nine. Now you need health. You need all those things when you're doing these bets, but it's it's there. It's open. It is it is available for them early on. Obviously, they start the year against the 49ers, not the best matchup that you want to see, but after that, it's Browns, Raiders, Texans could easily yeah, jump out Niners to three and one. At, you get the Niners at home, right? Right. Yeah. And yep. you and, don't know who's and be off starting of a bye, you know. And you don't have you, you don't know who's going to be starting a quarterback. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so it's, it's Waddle, definitely gettable. DJ Waddle will actually be healthy for that game. <laughs> right. Yeah. So will Nick Bosa, though, unfortunately. Yeah, but well. all that being said, um, if Brock Purdy's the starter, if Trey Lance is the starter, you feel much better facing them week one than six, seven, eight games into the season when they've kind of worked into the system as much as they have. So, you know, I'll take that matchup early rather than late, but it's still not the easiest. But yeah, there's a path there for the Steelers easily. Um, And so that's why, you know, I had them as a a surefire over bet here on eight and a half wins. Uh, The next, the one I'm going to catch the most flack for, I guarantee it. But the AFC, I swear was really hard. When I was looking through the whole AFC, it was very difficult for me to find ones that I was very comfortable with. Uh, a lot of them seem to be on the nose. This one seems to be on the nose as well, but I picked the New England Patriots to get over seven and a half wins despite having the hardest schedule in the league. It's going to be hard to wrap your head around it. However, I'm going to make the case here. It cannot be worse than it was last year for the New England Patriots. They had a defensive coordinator yeah. who didn't make it in the league, at, you know, as a head coach at all in Detroit, uh, running your offense. You had a defensive coordinator running your offense. Mac Jones frustrated. The offense completely out of sync the whole year. Uh, you know, defensive struggles for sure, but uh, they didn't have matchup issues last year. They had execution and just, you know, tape to tape issues in terms of who was on the field. Um, this year they get, uh, you know, a revamped, uh, defense. Uh, I think Christian Gonzalez is going to be dynamite uh, corner, uh, it, it, probably the best one in this draft class. And they got him in the late teens. But other than that, 
Mac Jones takes a big step forward. I think I'm just confident in saying that only because it can't be worse than last year. Yeah, Bill O'Brien. And Bill O'Brien is in the house running an offense, a guy that's been proven to uh, be extremely competent in, in creating offenses, not only at the college level at Alabama and elsewhere, but of course he did it with the Texans with Deshaun Watson and Deandre Hopkins and, uh, maybe not a great GM or even a great head coach, but certainly a great coordinator. Massive upgrade to that room there. And again, it's Bill Belichick. They This team doesn't bottom out. It's just like Pittsburgh doesn't bottom out. The Patriots bottoming out might be six wins. It might be someday, eventually. I just don't see it happening here. They've won seven or fewer games once in the last 25 years, and that was 2020. And, you know, last year, with all that, you know, said and done, team. they were an eight win team. So with everything that was bad last year, they still got to eight wins. Uh, I just don't see them uh, falling to seven wins or lower this year. They, they have a rough go to begin the year with the Eagles, Dolphins, Jets, Cowboys. Like, where do you breathe? They could, you could conceivably see them going 0-4 to start the year. Uh, but after that, the Saints, Raiders, more than gettable games there for New England. Uh, you know, then you play the Bills at Dolphins again, but they then you get stretch. Commanders and Colts and yeah. Giants. Like that's the stretch. There are you pockets of at. games. And then they pockets host the Chargers games. in early December. You hope you have weather on your side. Um, yeah, no, I again I, I think there's a window for eight. There is a window for eight. It's tight, and you're gonna be yeah. in some coin flip games. But if you are a if you are a Patriots uh, fan. I think you you would hammer the over, and you could convince yourself easily to hammer the over. And, and I the don't problem too is that you know with both of these teams, the Steelers and the Patriots, you can see the under only going to that that one uh, loss. So seven and a half wins. The under for the Patriots this year to me is seven. Like yeah, like well, that's their that. that's their floor. I get the that. Steelers' floor would Barring be barring injury. Eight. Yeah, barring devastating injuries, I get I get that. I'm with right, you. Right, right. So they're in their ceiling. Now the ceiling for the, the Patriots might only be eight as well. So it's one of those where it's like very close. It's a tight uh, maybe window. eight or nine. Um, so that that's why this one was a hard, hard one to parse through. Uh, but I still feel confident they're gonna get more than seven wins this year. Plus, not to mention Bill Belichick, 19 wins away from the all-time record. They're going to have motivations galore. I think that matters to him. You don't think it does? No, I think it does. I think that oh, matters yes. to him. I do as well. Which is, but he could be. You know, you could consider him being somewhat on the hot seat if they have a really bad year, and that would suck because does does he get picked up elsewhere so that he can get that record? Does New- Robert Kraft let him come back yet again for another season? That's tough. So I think right now the, the pressure's on for New England, and that also should be factored into like how their psyche is going to be this year. And Bill, yeah. it, it, Bill has to make this work. And so New you know, England part of that getting New this. England getting to the to that nine win mark and being a wild card team is reliant on the Jets not being as good as as people are expecting the Jets to be. And them playing well enough in division to be at least 500 or above in division. Yeah, yeah. And getting to 500 in this division is going to be tough. But I agree. They probably will have to do that uh, in order to get to these eight wins. My final team, 
the Houston Texans. Oh, um, under six and a half. You know, this is a team that got so much better through this draft that, you know, to the optimistic eye, mm. you could say, oh, well, this team will go from three and 13 to seven and 10 or better. I just don't see it. And I think for me, if you're bet, obviously these over under win totals are being bet on preseason. We just don't know. There's there's no evidence of anything yet to support this team being that much improved. I like CJ Stroud. To me, he was my probably favorite quarterback of the class. I would have taken. I think he's a pro quarterback. I think he'll transition fairly easily. But all of his weapons are super young. The running backs are young. Uh, the offensive line is a you know a work in progress outside of Laramie Tunsil. The defense. Very young as well. Big yeah. time work in progress. And you have a rookie head coach. We don't know what we're getting out of Domingo Ryans or the staff. There's so much new getting and so seven. much to overcome. Yeah. That getting the seven, despite their easy schedule, uh, does come across as a tough one to get. And, and especially because the AFC South is a much improved division uh, with, I think, the Titans being just as good, if not a little bit better than they were last year. And the Jaguars being much improved from last year. And the Colts I, I think the t- basically I think the being Texans, the, the, the Texans, there's no way they go 500 or better in division. I, I hate to say it, yeah, but I think yeah. they go 0-2 against the Jaguars and 0-2 against the Titans. I yeah, think the so Titans, they could go one and one and five easily. Yeah. And 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 it's yeah, you're right. It's no toss-up against a Colts team that has a solid personnel but also a rookie head coach and a quarterback who's just as big of a question mark as their own quarterback. So let's say they split that. You could easily be talking about one. And then you got to find me six other wins against non-division opponents. And I'll read you some of it. It's yeah. not the easiest. And they play the, the NFC South. So Ravens, Steelers, Falcons, Saints, Panthers, Bucks, all in a row. That NFC South stretch will determine it. Because they play those four games in a row. Uh, October 8th, October 15th, October 29th, November 11th. Falcons, Saints, Panthers, Bucks. If they can go two and two or better in that stretch, there's a chance for seven. But I don't think they're as good as the Panthers. I don't think they're as good as the Saints. I don't think they're as... I don't think they have the names the Bucks do, but I think... The Bucks and the Texans and the Falcons are toss ups because I don't know what the quarterback situations will be like. Yeah. But again, they play asking- the Cardinals. You know, without Kyler Murray, they have a shot at that game. With Kyler Murray, yeah, probably not. But that sandwich between Bengals and Jags and yeah. Broncos yeah. and Jets and Titans, five team, four teams will all be vying for the playoffs. Um, Browns late in the season. The Browns are a better team. Texans again late. Uh, Titans host the tech uh, at the Texans late in the season. Titans will be playing for something. Uh, yeah, seven is seven would be the ceiling, I think, for the yeah. for the Texans. So I think it's and, and let's be honest, their floor could be four wins. You know. Yeah. No, I agree. I I just think you're. It's a really tight window to get the over. It's an easier. It's a more open window, I think, for the under. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. So that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. They, they are my one under of this list. With six. Like you just got to stuck on six wins, yeah. and that would be yeah. seen as a giant improvement for the Texans, and you'd still win your bet. 
Exactly. It's still a successful year, all things considered. You get your rookie quarterback acclimated. Uh, you know, your defensive core with Will Anderson now intact. Like, the, 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 as long as you put yourself on a trajectory, it's the same thing with the the Jags. You know, the Jags had a little bit more of an accelerated growth because, yeah, yeah they had Trevor Lawrence. So this uh, feels that, that like will always improve. But this feels like my Rams bet in the sense too, where it's like the win is just getting to seven. Like it does. The Rams don't have to do anything more, but they are capable of getting to seven. The Texans. Staying under seven is so easy to visualize. Yeah, exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. If and anything, you know, schedule aside, it's they're the Texans. You know, they like are, I, yeah. you they're not going to have. I, I would bet that they're not going to have a massive turnaround that Honey, we've seen in this league. I in the past. put a lot of money on it because they're the Texans. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You don't understand. It's they're, you they're just the don't Houston understand. Texans. I so yeah, be, this is a. I'll uh, be you know, recap of ours. I'll be dumbfounded if the Falcons get to nine and, and the, I will a jaw drop because then we will be talking a lot about Desmond Ritter. Like we will be talking oh, uh, yeah. if the Falcons are a nine win team, it's because Desmond Ritter all of a sudden shows up and balls out. And that will be an insane thing to think about talking about in three months from now. Some, um, some of the other AFC ones that I played around with, but was still just uh, so difficult, you know, the, Colts at six and a five was at six and a half was interesting, yeah. but they are, they are as much of a, I don't know what's going to happen. I'd stay away from that again. Situation. Cause the AFC, AFC South is very unpredictable. Right. For those two teams, but I'm with you. I think they have a chance to, they have a better roster. They're starting with a better roster than Houston and they have a rookie coach too. So you just don't know. I, you know, tempted to go with the over for the Bills 10 and a half, but there's a lot of question marks about them as well. You know, it, it's, you know, it's just like with Josh Allen, uh, you know, I know it's an improved division, but with Josh Allen and everything, you just feel like this team is an 11. Cincinnati is a lot at, at 11 and a half. 11 and a half is tall. It's a tall order. Yeah, because they, they have the same odds as the Chiefs, the best in the league. Um, and I think we feel way more confident in the Chiefs. Denver eight and a half, half over is spicy. That feels yeah, spicy. but I feel I feel the over I would take in that because of Sean Payton. Jacksonville alone. over nine and a half. I feel very confident Jacksonville get to ten wins this year. I think they go six and zero oh in division. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they certainly could. I I, I think they're a nine ten win team. They're like right there. Um, and then the Raiders at six and a half. I I feel like the Raiders could be so bad this year. It's like possible that they are terrible. Uh, but they also could be that, you know, they're the Raiders. They're kind of a tough out sometimes, a little feisty. But without Josh Jacobs, if Jimmy G is, you know, if his health is up in the air, uh, this team very well could be a three, four yeah. win team, you know. So, yeah, yeah those, no, I, those I, are the I, interesting ones. I also, I don't mind the Browns under nine and a half. I'm not high in the Browns this year. Yeah, yeah, you and me both. I was like, did you see what they uh, tweeted out or X'd out? Um the, the footage of Deshaun oh God, walking yeah. towards the target and throwing at, at first I was like, they have to know they're joking, right? Like, or they have to know that like, they're messing around, but I really don't think so. I think they legitimately posted that to be like, yeah, look at our guy throwing a five yard pass and hitting the target. Like, On a, Yeah. Weird. If I look at these six picks, Dan, the, to me, the, my ultimate lock is the Falcons under eight and a half. I, I cannot see the Falcons 
And I can just, I, it's so hard for me to envision the Falcons and Desmond Ritter. We're talking about a nine win team. So hard. Yeah. And of I the six year. And I honestly may put real money on Falcons under nine and a half, under eight and a half. I think the two at the top Falcons under eight and a half Steelers over eight and a half are the biggest locks on this board that we have here. I, agree. I feel extremely confident um, in both. God, so I yeah, parlay. I might just parlay all three of mine together. I feel great about mine, dude. Dude, yeah, you parlay that absolutely. Put it's that together. That. Uh, folks, we are not responsible for you giving away your life savings to these no. picks. Uh, no. But I'm just saying, you could have a house next year. If I may tweet cards. that out. Follow me. Follow. I may x that out. You're gonna wait. You're gonna x. You're gonna x what out. I may I I'll, I may look at what that parlay looks like and and put some and, money on and it and make an X. X. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That'll that'll be a nice looking ticket right there. Yeah. So confidence abound. Yeah. So um, a lot of good things there to check out and uh, and discuss. Let us know your thoughts. Obviously, as always, in the comments or hit us up on social media at FB Lounge Pod. We're on Threads. We're on X. We're on Insta, Facebook. And uh, as always, you can check us out. Updated, still a bird on my phone. It's still a bird. You still got the bird there. I have lost the bird, uh, unfortunately. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here as uh, as the days go by. Very unpredictable that Elon Musk. So not sure what we're going to be getting. But thankfully, we have you all here uh, and this platform that we like to call YouTube and our <laughs> podcasts that are providing us consistent service across the board so yes yes absolutely good stuff all right well appreciate you all tuning in uh thank you so much as always and we will see you back here next week